Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host. Thanks for joining us on one of the 42 radio stations on YouTube, on iTunes, or the show website, CREshow.com. We do appreciate you being with us. Well, we have a powerful show for you today. We're going to talk about the top 10 issues affecting real estate. Now, this is a great report. It's put out by the Council of, of Real Estate every year. This is the 2015-2016 report. And please welcome my guest. It's Noah Slays. He's the 2015 chair of the Councilors of Real Estate. He's also managing director of Newmark Grubb Knight Frank. Noah, thanks for joining us on uh, Skype today. We appreciate you being with us. It's good to be here, Michael. Well, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, this is a great report. I look forward to it uh, every year. Tell us, you know, why is this report put together and how is it put together? Uh, the reason why probably tells you more about the counselors of real estate than it does in particular about the report. Uh, the counselors is an organization of thought leaders uh, at senior positions in the real estate industry from around the world. And we go through this exercise to lay out a menu of issues to watch for the coming year. We don't necessarily have opinions on exactly which way these things will go, but these are the background noise and the strategic layer for the projects that our members do over the following year, and they drive a series of uh, white papers uh, that we put out, position papers and publications in Real Estate Issues, our, our primary scholarly publication for the year that follows. Yeah, I like it. Uh, one of the, the points I saw in the material is it provides perspective and insight to facilitate decisions. And, you know, this, this background, this information is fantastic to help you make decisions, whether you run a business or you're in the commercial real estate business. So tell us a little bit more about CRE counselors. We've had some of you guys on the show before. Incredible. Other members are just incredible insight into the real estate industry. Tell us briefly about the, the council. Yeah, it's, it's a remarkable association. It's 61 years old this year, based in Chicago, primarily serving the United States, uh, but it has a growing international membership, especially in Europe and now an initiative uh, in Japan based on work we've done this spring. Uh, it's composed of people who are engaged actively in problem solving at a level where they're really influencing the decisions that people are making. Uh, they can come from multiple disciplines, so this is not a uh, single discipline kind of organization. It includes lawyers, appraisers, urban planners, developers, uh, brokers, a number of other fields. But the, one of the defining characteristics is that people in it are multidisciplinary. Uh, they tend to cover a lot of ground. I, for example, have been an appraiser. I am now primarily a corporate real estate technologist. I put together tools to help corporations make real estate decisions. But you will often find lawyer, planners, uh, appraiser, developers, lots of other such combinations. Well, great. Well, let's get right into the top 10 issues affecting real estate for the 2015-16 report. And tell us, start with number 10, the changing retail model. Tell us about that. Sure. And as this goes on, you'll discover that these begin to overlap as it is uh, with anything where you're looking for basically the biggest issues going on in the world. But the changing retail model this year and it's not particularly news that retail models are changing, but this year it's really beginning to matter. Uh, 
by estimates from our members, 10 to 15 percent of shopping centers in the United States are functionally obsolete right now. And the emphasis has shifted from retail as a pure destination to a combination of convenience and information. Consumer expectations have changed a fair amount. And so the definition of a strong retail center now has a lot more to do with surrounding rooftops uh, and has to do with the ability to deliver perhaps more information and a little less product on site. Online purchasing and the information expectations that come from online purchasing are now dominating successful retail centers. People expect to either be able to find out before they get there uh, exactly what they need to know about the product in the store and they're really just there to get their hands on it and evaluate it. Uh, but they also have logistics expectations. They've been educated by online providers and they expect to make sure that the item is actually there or could meet them there. So it's really changed the way things uh, the, the way things work. And in commercial properties, there's big pressure to keep occupancy strong in things that are conventionally laid out, may have incorrect store sizes for the modern use. Right, and if number 10, if we're starting at the, at the end at number 10, and retail is number 10, boy, this is some powerful uh, uh, issues here because uh, retail is really changing. I agree with it. It's uh, uh, with online sales and omni-channel marketing and, and the way that, that that sector itself has been performing. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of haves and have not. So let's uh, let's jump to number nine, real estate technology, and also see that you noted crowdfunding there. Sure, and this one's near and dear to me, uh, working in the technology field as I do. Uh, what we're talking about is a couple of things going on at the same time. The emergence of crowdfunding as an accepted means of investment for sophisticated investors with uh, pretty large uh, pools of assets. Having identified the real estate technology sector uh, as something of interest and something that would really benefit from an infusion of capital. Uh, real estate tech startups in 2014, or, yeah, 14, uh, saw an increase up $241 million over the prior year. Uh, and the industry, I mean, I've been working in real estate technology as long as I've been in the real estate field. It's primed for disruption. It is some of the messiest information to be found in both business and consumer markets. Uh, the inconsistency of definitions of data across states and so on, uh, lay it out, it's time and it's been found. Yeah, it surely is, and, and crowdfunding is, uh, is a big part of that, isn't it? Well, and crowdfunding is both a combination of source of money for real estate technology, but it also benefits from real estate, real estate technology. People's ability to sort and filter and identify potential investors depends on technology. So, to a certain extent, this is sort of a meta issue. Yeah, and I wanted to get your opinion and, and also your, your counselors on crowdfunding because it's something that I think is going to grow and be a lot larger than a lot of people in the commercial real estate industry uh, seem to realize. Uh, that's definitely so. It's been a topic at our national meetings uh, a couple of times so far. Uh, of course, some of the primary issues are developing a good regulatory and legal framework for the crowdfunded investment one of the central issues in other types of real estate investment 
is establishing the sophistication of the investor and the level of communication you need to do an honest transaction. In crowdfunding, that's a whole new ballgame. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work and a lot of movement around crowdfunding. Uh, I agree. I think it's going to be huge. I mean, when anyone, uh, non-accredited or accredited, can go online and, and invest as little as $5,000 in a real commercial real estate property, uh, they're going to need a lot of information. There's going to be a lot of moving parts around that, isn't there? Good deal. Are you ready to roll to the next one? Yeah, let's talk about number eight, infrastructure. Tell us about that. And infrastructure, if bridge collapses are not getting people's attention, we've been trying to figure out what will. But perhaps you'll see a theme through this whole thing, and that theme is information. The cost of infrastructure development, the cost of infrastructure repair, and sort of the cumulative effect of failing to keep up and allowing maintenance to be deferred uh, is coming home. Uh, and as both corporations and individuals evaluate where they're going to put their next piece. They are looking at infrastructure, the information about it's getting stronger and clearer, and the questions of what will the impact of unmaintained infrastructure be on municipal finance and therefore on taxes and therefore on business profitability are starting to make their way through. I mean, in the last year with the counselors, I've been to Istanbul, I've been to France, been to Japan. Every time I come back to the United States, it's a shock uh, to see how far ahead they are uh, in keeping things in good shape compared to what we have in American cities. Yeah, that's amazing. So we're short on the break here, but you're seeing a lot of corporations now looking at infrastructure when they're looking to move into a certain market? Yes, indeed. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, if, you're, if you don't have your in infrastructure in good shape, yeah, you know there's going to be cost. It's like buying a piece of real estate or, or buying a, a condo there where you're going to have shared expenses. You want to look at, uh, you know, how they're up keeping up the, the, uh, the building, how they're keeping up the, the market around you, right? The, the costs are going to have to be passed along to someone. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the top 10 issues affecting real estate from the CRE Counselors of Real Estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show, and we'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today our topic is the top 10 issues affecting commercial real estate. It's a large, nice annual report that's put out each year by the CRE counselors. My guest is Noah Slays. He's the 2015 chair of the Councils of Real Estate. And we're down to number seven, Noah, the gap between rich and poor. Tell us about that. Yes, indeed. Uh, sometimes the gap is good news because it can drive development at both ends of the spectrum. We're talking about uh, micro apartments, uh, the growth of 24-hour cities, uh, influxes of creative workers in major cities are coming in at the top end of a spectrum that can be really a disruptive factor. But 40% of wealth is contained in the top, or controlled by the top 1% of the population. And what this is doing is sort of eliminating the middle from a lot of markets. There's growth, uh, tremendous growth serving both ends of the spectrum. And we talked earlier about the changing retail model. 
uh, typical American malls historically were built to serve the middle, and the middle is disappearing. Uh, the growth of retailers such as Walmart, definitely geared towards the bottom end of the spectrum, and the growth of ultra high quality retail and residential, where price is no object, uh, is also happening, but it's a reconciliation to be dealt with. And what about the government getting involved, Noah? I mean, you know, if we have minimum wage uh, that's jacked up, we have increased taxes, uh, what could be the impact there of the government getting involved in trying to fix this? Well, it's interesting uh, hearing stories just yesterday uh, here in Maine, where I'm sitting right now, about the business support for an increase in the minimum wage to increase the purchasing power of the population base. Uh, at the top end of the market, there's always concern about changing the rules of the game in the form of tax laws and in the form of ability to harvest your return. Uh, my own clients see those questions in terms of whether they go with the United States or other environments and also in their investigation of economic incentives and other cost factors as they pick where to put their businesses. Right, so it could impact whether business is onshored or, or offshore, right? Onshored, offshored, uh, right to work, mm -hmm. state or not, uh, it's, it's part of the overall economic package that companies consider. How much can they keep out of every dollar they make uh, in creating and selling product? Right. And that's uh, why you see some of these states uh, that are doing better than others, like uh, Texas, right? Texas. Uh, the Carolinas are a classic example of that. They recognized uh, back in the tail end of the textile industry that they were going to have to do something to employ this tremendous workforce. And they spent their money and their time overseas building relationships, in particular with the auto industry, that didn't bear fruit for another 20, 25 years. But now that region is a dominant player in automobile manufacturing in the U.S. as a result of it. And is the raising the minimum wage issue for companies that you deal with and the CRE counselors when you guys talked about it, how big of an issue is that? I mean, I see some young people that, you know, hey, maybe they're not going to get a job if the, if the minimum wages are raised too high. Uh, the Most of the corporations we work with, you'll see it most in industries like customer contact centers, call centers, uh, and other things that are at the bottom of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. The issue is whether they have an alternative to moving things overseas. We have some manufacturing clients with security needs and government relationships where they have to do what they do here in the United States. And the minimum wage will simply affect the pricing of what they do. They get to pass it through. Others will be relocating. Yeah, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, let's get to number six, energy. Energy is a, a big issue, isn't it? Well, and energy's been on this list many times. This is the third year we've done this study, but it keeps coming up. It's just that the question of energy is a little different this year. Last year, we were talking about boom times. This year, we're talking about big increases in overseas production and a shift away from some of the markets that responded very fast to low extraction costs here in the U.S. So we're seeing a shakeout of some of the smaller producers. There's a question of survival. Of course, the strong players will gain ground in down times. And if they see an opportunity to consolidate their position to be ready for another rise in energy costs, they will. And talk to us about the impact of energy on, on uh, corporate decisions for location and, and maybe on uh, commercial real estate investor decisions. Uh, there's a, a mix of factors in corporate location decisions. One of them is simply the availability of enough energy. 
the growing trend towards doing basically everything in the cloud or at least online is driving demand for electricity to a level not seen before. Uh, and a material percentage of all of the electricity used in the United States is just to keep data centers alive uh, and going and make sure that information is available all over the place. So the cost per kilowatt hour, but also the composition of the source to generate that kilowatt hour. Is it hydroelectric, which puts out no carbon? Is it coal, which is at the ugly end of the spectrum? Uh, some states are rising as high as 30% of their overall energy production from zero carbon emission, from wind, from solar, and so on. And the expansion of the industries that let us make energy in one time period and use it in another, which is, of course, the challenge with wind and solar, is one of the major growth spots, right. the ability to store the stuff. Right. And if you are a real estate investor, a developer, and uh, or an investor, and you might be an investor that's investing uh, institutionally, or maybe you're even uh, crowdfunding, you're investing five thousand dollars, you might want to look at locations where uh, there are there is good water, there is good cheap electricity, right? That's exactly right. It can be very hard to analyze uh, energy costs by market. It's something far more microscopic than comparing Chicago to Detroit to New York or even uh, regional submarkets uh, in those areas. It also addresses questions of is there a reliable grid or more than one grid feeding a site if it's a mission critical location. But there is good information available that is starting to make its way into portfolio management about the generation mix, how much carbon goes into generating a kilowatt hour of electricity. And those issues matter both from corporate responsibility but also from taxation and subsidy. Right. And your cost to operate, uh, occupancy cost in these buildings, whether you're a, a corporate user uh, or an investor, uh, they're going to impact uh, your bottom line, aren't they? Yes, indeed. Yes. Well, let's talk about urbanization number five. Sure. Uh, urbanization, or urban growth has been outpacing suburbs for a very long time, but it's driving a repurposing of older structures. Buildings, we used to say, didn't know they were obsolete. <laughs> uh, in my hometown, Chicago, the east side of the loop was the birthplace of the office markets of Chicago. It's dominated by things we still think of as office buildings. But the fact is, today, they are dormitories. They are luxury apartments. Uh, they are, if they are still office, they're filled with small office because their footprint doesn't quite work. Likewise, uh, we're seeing a big change in the kind of product that is delivered to users, especially to millennials, who know how to share basically anything online. And by virtue of sharing anything online, they've decided not to acquire a lot of the stuff that we think we need. Uh, cars, for example, and the parking spaces that go with them. But they're going further than that, and we're, we're seeing them sharing other infrastructure, looking for models even in the suburbs, places to stay, perhaps someday lawnmowers, for example. The smart automakers are looking at this question and trying to find a delivery model that allows interval ownership or interval use of cars. Uh, they're going so far as to say we aren't selling cars, we are selling access to cars. Yeah, good point. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. 
The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking about the top 10 issues affecting commercial real estate, a report put out by CRE counselors. And my guest is Noah Slays. He's the 2015 chair. And now we're down to number four, global instability and currency devaluation. Yep, we're taking it in a different direction at this point. Instability is going on everywhere. Uh, Look at Greece, look at Europe in general. I just got back from Tokyo where I was very surprised at how affordable things were. It wasn't the expectation that had been set for me. The strange thing that's come of that is that the dollar, in spite of itself, is gaining a lot of ground. It's gained 22% in the last year relative to world currencies, even though its average growth has been around 2.4% since 2009 which means there's an awful lot of capital flowing into the United States uh, by virtue of its status, maybe not as uh, a safe haven, but the best of an iffy list at this point. (laughs) So so the effect on this is that capitalization rates are staying low despite slow growth, and that hot spots of conflict are, are still coming up all the time. And, and right, and with the um, devaluation of the currency, I mean, uh, that's bringing a lot of investors you know, to the U.S. And like you said, it's driving down uh, cap rates and it's creating a lot of uh, investment in the U.S. But, you know, I, I think uh, it may still be perceived of a little bit of a safe haven, isn't it? I, yeah, I think it's it's fair to describe it as a safe haven. It is a well-protected well stable currency. Uh, with an economic model that's based on a political model that compared to the rest of the world uh, looks very stable uh, even though we're coming up on election season and all that means in the news. And if you're investing in real estate in the U.S. and commercial real estate or any type of real estate, how much should you be concerned about what's going on in the rest of the world? It seems like the world is is shrinking, uh, but how much of an impact is it really? Well, the level of information that's available to an investor is far deeper than it has been before. And so you're looking at two factors as an investor in a piece of, let's say, multi-tenant real estate. One of them is the credit of the underlying tenants. Uh, It's no longer just a matter of what kind of mix do you have and how long are the leases, how large are the leases. But you can look at the businesses companies are in and you can look at what the likely effect of international currency fluctuation is on their business strategy. Some are moving things towards the U.S. out of places that are viewed as either high risk or growing cost. Uh, But the second one has to do with the capital market that drives uh, the rates and the yields that you're going to be pulling from that investment. Uh, And looking at things that will be relevant to foreign investors or won't be depending on your term. Uh, Foreign investors are starting to move beyond the NFL cities and the usual flavors of where they go. They're looking in markets that are not on coasts, maybe that are places that they have not visited. Uh, They're moving away from the typical uh, New York, Los Angeles, Hawaii, if you're a Japanese investor, it's very familiar to them, and moving towards Midwestern and even some secondary markets. Right, and that seems to be something that that's really 
uh, growing and is a lot of that because of, of their chasing yield and the cap rates have been so compressed in some of these gateway markets uh, that they're open to secondary markets or is, is it also a combination that these secondary markets are doing better and they're stronger and, and they're safer than they were a few years ago? The secondary markets do appear to have been doing better, but it's also a factor of the quality of information, the depth into which an investor can go and looking at an asset. The secondary market story is better told than it has been in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. We're in Atlanta and we're out selling Atlanta, right? <laughs> well, let's get to number three, a big one that everyone is interested in, rising interest rates and the impact there. And that's kind of a funny way to phrase it. It's the way it ended up on the survey because interest rates don't appear to actually be rising right now. Uh, but the discussion of interest rates won't stay this low forever has been going on for several years. And this year, our members are taking it seriously. Where it was a figure lurking in the background, they are making specific plans for interest rates. Because, of course, of its effect on future cash flows, uh, on the value of assets, and also on the decisions that, or that tenants and users are making. And do you think that investors have taken into account when they're in buying properties today that interest rates will be rising and affecting their, their exit cap rates? Uh, it, it affects their exit cap rates. It affects their choices of funding. It certainly affects their perception of the aging of the underlying contractual relationships. There are environments in which you're looking for long leases and there are environments in which you're looking for short ones. Right now they're looking for longer leases because they want to lock in performance. Right. That's a good point. Well, stay tuned. We're going to get to top number one and number two next after a short break. And we're also going to talk more about rising interest rates and the impact on commercial real estate and business decisions moving forward. So more top 10 issues affecting commercial real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show, and we'll be right back. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the top 10 issues affecting commercial real estate. We have Noah Slays with us. He's the 2015 chair of the Councilors of Real Estate. And before the break, Noah, we're talking about the impact of rising interest rates. And one question I'd like to ask the, your opinion of, of you and, and the counselors is, you know, which sector, which property type might be most impacted by rising interest rates? Well, if you take the other factors we've looked at, the international, uh, the international influx of capital, the perception of rising interest rates, and also what it does to homeowners, uh, the impact on multifamily is perhaps the one that's most interesting to a lot of people. Because rising interest rates will shift the decision from rent to own for an individual. And it's a property class that has inherent inflation protection. Interest rates rise, inflation occurs, and rents rise at the same time, they tend to move in parallel. Uh, in the other direction, the effect of interest rates on commercial users can affect their ability to make a profit. So you may not immediately see, or you may see an offsetting effect between uh, corporates and their expansion path and rising interest rates. Okay. You got a contrast there. Okay. So 
rising interest rates may impact homeowners to to purchase rather than lease, or is it the opposite? Uh, there, no, more rising interest rates would say, "Hey, my must will rent." Rather than purchase, okay. rising interest rates are, are better for renting. Right. Okay, that's what I thought. And then for the impact on corporate users, so as the cost of capital rises for these the, for our tenants in commercial real estate, uh, will that have any impact on commercial real estate? Sure, it delays the approval of corporate projects. It may think, move things into next year, the year after, which drives growth down and which drives space use down. Right. We look back at the recessionary times when a lot of our tenants just, just couldn't get, get capital, right? Uh, that really hurt real estate. And when the banks weren't doing loans uh, for corporate users, it really hurt real estate. So, And that has really improved, haven't it? I mean, the lenders have, uh, uh, have really become much more active than they were. Uh, they have. And also rising interest rates might mean that more consumer credit is available to individuals because they can finally get a decent return on it. Uh, which actually might help the economy in general, the consumer economy in particular. Okay. And if I'm an investor you know, and I'm concerned about rising rates and how that Im- might impact future real estate values, is there a certain property sector that I might want to uh, look at closer? And, uh, for example, if, uh, if I invest in single-tenant net lease properties, which tend to have you know, long-term leases with little to no escalations, might that be more impacted than a multi-tenant or an apartment project, which you know, leases turn over every year? Uh, the apartment, it depends on the nature of financing and your willingness to lock things in, but the apartment project will definitely have more inflation protection built into the income stream. Uh, hotels are another one that responds to that, although rising interest rates has the same effect on corporate business travel that it does on capital projects we were discussing earlier. Right. And what do you think about uh, the impact of rising interest rates on the single-tenant net leased market, these CVS deals and that sort of uh, property investment? haven't really thought that one through. I know many of these are uh, popular, let's call them poker chips, in 1031 exchanges. Uh, in, I mean, they are one of the most easily underwritten and most directly comparable real estate investments that out, that's out there. Yeah. So it becomes a pure interest rate play that fits in the question of where they fit in the rest of your investment portfolio. Yeah, good point. Well, let's get to number two, excess supply of capital. It seems like there's a lot of money out there. Uh, there's a lot of money there out there. There's a lot of overseas money out there coming from high savings rates in other places where they're concerned about currency. The big question about this one is how long will it last? Uh, what's going on right now? If Are people continuing to lose faith in currency overseas or are they going to level off at the level of, of uh, perception of the United States as a safe haven? But if you tie this together with some of the other things we talked about, things that call for a one-time shift, like the repositioning of retail properties to reflect modern consumer models, uh, then this may be an opportunity to, to strike while the iron is hot, uh, to use this supply of excess capital, to use this right now relatively low interest rate environment that's starting to come into doubt and to reposition assets fast. It's also a good time for infrastructure investment for much of the same reason. 
in talking about how long this will last, this excess supply of capital uh, in the U.S., you know, it brings up to mind the cycle, right? And and real estate always cycles it, uh, but who knows how long and how deep or high these cycles go, right? So uh, might the, the you know, we're kind of long in the tooth in this cycle, but it, uh, what's, what's your opinion of, of where we are and how long the, these good times will last? I, I agree we're a little long in the tooth in this cycle. The international currency uncertainty has stretched it. Uh, but that is why the question of how long it will last comes up. I wish I had an answer. If I did, I might be in a different business. <laughs> well, we always ask the tough uh, questions, right? I know you guys at uh, CRA Counselors, you have a crystal ball that you guys can look at when you have clients, right? So that's what we're asking you to do. For internal use only. Uh, but it, it does tie into what people are looking at. They're looking at different things than they used to. And definitely the supply of capital. It's getting harder for foreign investors to find some place to put their money, which goes directly to that search into secondary markets, edge cities, places where they might not historically have made investments. Right. And there's a lot of places to put your money. So, you know, there's a lot of decisions to make, even for for a small investor. You know, you talked earlier about, um, you know, people being able to go online and invest in money and projects through crowdfunding. So, uh, there is a lot of decisions, a lot of money out there. How's it going to impact future values? We'll see. Well, stay tuned. We're going to have the number one impact on commercial real estate coming up. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. Would you like to shake hands with decision makers in your favorite commercial real estate sector? Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com for multifamily student and senior housing to net lease and healthcare conferences all over the country. Visit interfaceconferencegroup.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the top 10 issues affecting commercial real estate. We have Noah Slays here. He's the 2015 chair of CRE Counselors, and we're down to the number one issue impacting real estate, demographic shifts. Tell us about that, Noah. Okay, we're looking at a couple of demographic cohorts that are really driving things. Of course, everybody's talking about the millennials, that group uh, born between 1980 and 2000 and that are projected to be something like three out of four workers in the workforce by 2025, just wow. 10 short years from now. But another group that matters, and I'm pleased that it matters because I'm one of the last of them, uh, is the baby boomers ending as defined by us in 1964, who are not moving into retirement the way generations before them have. Uh, they matter in terms of, of course, their tremendous consumer power but also their health is a lot better than their predecessors was at this age and either they're continuing to work or they are continuing to to spend and live in the manner of people who are not yet fully retired so both of these matter a whole lot and give us an impact for millennials for office uh, owners or other commercial real estate uh, uh, owners out there I mean, uh, well the impact of millennials for office uh, in part is that their work style is very different. Uh, it's very collaborative. Uh, it involves a lot of shared space, but also a lot of uh, communications infrastructure so that they can work virtually as in fact I am right now. In terms of impact on office space, these are people who are coming out of school 
having picked up the values uh, that they learn in school about recycling, about green environments, about sharing basically everything, which refers to both working space uh, and technology. If you're going to win the war for talent in hiring these people, you're not going to offer a traditional, uh, traditional office space. Interesting. Now let's talk about baby boomers and, and what might be a tip for real estate investors and owners related to baby boomers. It seems like you know, with them being healthier, that, uh, you know, that is impacting uh, senior housing industry some. It seems like it's, it's impacting a lot later than, than maybe I thought 10 years ago. I thought we'd be at the height of baby boomers needing senior housing, but we're really not there quite yet, are we? Uh, it's a reasonable conclusion on senior housing, and it, there does appear to be a lag, but it's also good to look at what's going on with medical service delivery, uh, because you've got the combination of affordable health care and a different aging cohort out there, and what you're seeing is a lot of analysis being done by uh, medical, medical office users, hospital systems, and so on right now to identify exactly in what form uh, people need medical service and where they are and what sort of coverage they have. Big shifts going on right there uh, because a lot of people have coverage who did not two years ago from the top to the bottom of the age spectrum. Yeah, that's interesting because it seems like all the healthcare providers were were linked at the hospital or right around it, but now we're seeing them move out into to suburban areas and to retail properties. Uh, so uh, they they are impacting uh, commercial real estate in that way, aren't they? They are, and they're also very focused on specialization, not just specialization in terms of what's bugging you and how can we fix it. That could be dialysis centers, that could be uh, immediate care, and so on. But also, how does it tie to the intake network? Where do you start? Uh, the referral network for hospitals, typically, uh, if it's a, a, a predictable item like, uh, like dialysis, begins with your primary care provider, and that's going to dictate where you end up. Do you feed into a hospital system? Do you feed into uh, a, a medical office building, and so on? Immediate care is an entirely different matter. Uh, you tend to go where you remember the thing is if you've got an emergency. Right. But both of those are seeing major shifts out of hos hospitals and into specialized structures and specialized practices. Right. Noah Slays, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Great to be here. Thank you. And we're going to have a link to the actual report on the show website at commercialrealestateshow.com, so be sure and check that out. And also join us next week. We're talking about housing and residential development. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the commercial real estate show the commercial real estate show is brought to you by bull realty commercial advisors a great place to do business visit bullrealty.com real next a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price visit realnext.com that's r-e-a-l-n-e-x Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.